Hi, and welcome to episode 224 of No Crying in Baseball, the Who Day episode. My name's Patty. I'm with, here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I didn't make beer come out of your nose just then, did I? No. Hey there. I um, I just realized as you were doing the show intro that I had not yet taken a sip of beer, and I usually at least try ah. to get like a sip or two in before we kick off. So my timing was pretty poor because, yeah. yes, it's like very likely for some to come out of my nose with um, with commentary. Are you doing both A and Z? I'm just okay, so here's the beer. things. Yeah, okay. so I, I'm drinking. So Silver Branch, our lo- one of our local breweries, is trying to decide on what their new flagship IPA is. And so they sold these mixed six packs of Trial A, Dr. Juicy, and Trial Z, which I appreciate that it's A and Z and not like A and B or one and two or whatever. And they want feedback. And I thought, you can't just have one and then right. have one the next day. So I'm warning you, dear listeners, this is I'm a, I'm two-fisted in drinking today because <laughs> I need to I need to compare Trial A Hang on. This is science in action right now, people. Trial A is very tasty. It is. This is trial Z. And oh. Yeah. So that's what oh. happened. I was not nearly as scientific as you are. I, I drank them both last night, one after another. And I had uh-huh. Z first um, because in my house, Z comes first. And then, Absolutely. And then tried A. And liked them both and then realized that this is probably because I hadn't done it scientifically, but are you sort of equally between A and Z now? Um, I immediately leaned gently towards Z because Z comes first in my house <laughs> <Yes>. too. And, <laughs> um, and uh, but I don't know. It's only, and I wonder if I needed like a little palate cleanser in between. So but, we'll did, see. We'll see how it goes as, as we talk today. All right. All right. Keep me posted how that's going. All right. Any, so we're good. I was just going to ask anything else exciting <laughs> for you today. So I'm today is my one football game of the year. Depending on how it turns out, there may be two football games. As the Ohio girl, I'm going all in for the Bengals. And I am repurposing the shirt from the Rochester Institute of Technology, who are the Tigers. Because I have a shirt with a giant Bengal tiger on it. Oh, and wow. So I'm wearing that today in honor of the Bengals. So either it's going to work and it's going to be wonderful, or you all can blame me if they go down in flames <laughs> and I will own that. I will totally own that, but I'm actually kind of excited to watch football today, and that makes me happy. That's cool. That's cool. Happy football day. I'm going to be watching more Serie del Caribe, but you're going to hear a lot about that from me at the end of the show, so I will shut up now. (laughs) Well, all right. Should we do the On Today's Show then? Sure thing. On today's show, how about that Hall of Fame vote? You're going to be hearing a lot about that, too. Uh, We've got a lot of pieces in motion in the CBA negotiations. Uh, Minor leagues are going to start on time, folks. We've got news on minor league housing and vaccination mandates. We've got our boyfriends, yay, for the Mariners and the Phillies. And we've got, as Potty Mouth mentioned, the Serie del Caribe started on Friday. Woo! Yep. I've been watching a lot. Potty Mouth's going to get you all caught up. More to come. But first of all, I got to say something about the Hall of Fame vote because David Ortiz, Big Poppy, who does not love Big Poppy? Even he even had that video where he went around hugging Yankees fans in New York City. Like who could ever get away, f- uh, you know, with that? And of course, there's been a lot of commentary about it's not supposed to be a popularity vote. But, you know, he was also a fucking amazing baseball player. So I think it's just going to be like a zoo of a party though, because the the just the online reactions of people who are excited about him getting in have been monumental. So what's gonna happen to Cooperstown on Sunday, July 24th at one o'clock PM? And can we be a part of it safely? What do you think? I think um I've got a place for us to stay huh? if we go. 
Um, but it's not going to be safe, but boy, would it be fun. (laughs) So maybe quadruple masking and, you know, the whole thing and we'll see. And yeah, we should do this. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, um, by July, I don't know, one can hope, right? That things will get better by July. One can hope, one can hope, (laughs) but things turn on a dime. So, um, yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, Hey, potty mouth, how many people got voted in this time? So this year, Big Poppy was the one and only one elected to the Hall of Fame by the Baseball Writers Association. Uh, we heard about those Golden Age people who will also be part of the ceremony. And actually, I'd be pretty excited to go for them, too. But Big Poppy, the only one. And I, I want to stop the conversations about the comparisons and people being pissed about Poppy getting in if we're if PED is going to be the standard. Because it's apples and oranges. And we talked about this last week, that his one incident is questionable. Even, you know, Rob Manfred said it could have been um, one of the the faulty tests. It was once, and the key thing is it was 2003. And everything, pretty much everything that Ortiz did was after that point. Although, I would also go and sort of stick my neck out on this and say, I think that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should have gotten in. And I think that the judgment on character bit is working against them in this case because their accomplishments became before the PED use. And if you look into the psychology of it, it's, um, you know, these players are so elite, right? They're Hall of Fame level. They're they're incredible. And it's got to be emotionally and psychologically incredibly stressful when you start losing that and wanting to keep it. And I think that's what the PED thing was all about. So that's a character trait. That's a character flaw. Now, clearly bonds a little bit further because of being uh, included in obstruction of justice or lying around it, which adds to the character flaw. Um, A-Rod, of course, got like 30-something percent because he was not only involved, but probably getting other people involved with the whole biogenesis scandal. But if you're going to say that that character is not part of the Hall of Fame vote, don't you think this is kind of part of that? I don't know. What? How do you feel about drugs, Patty? How do I feel about drugs? <laughs> yeah. I am, um, I uh, keep my hands off and to each his own about drugs necessarily, but drugs are different than rules. Yeah. I think drugs are different than rules. If you are knowingly breaking rules that you have agreed to follow, that it almost doesn't matter what the rule is to me. The question is, does that need to be part of Hall of Fame voting? And yeah. the the question was opened up wide before the votes were final and even more so after saying, okay, do we need to think about how we're voting for people? Do we need to um, decide on a different set of criteria? Do, like, so I, I'm glad that question has been asked because mm-hmm. the, you know this is voted on by the baseball writers and they all have their own take on it. Right. So it's, so you're getting, you're not getting apples to apples in how people are voting. There are people who are taking character into account and people who are just looking at numbers and that's unfair. Right. There's so no I, rubric. I, there's no grading rubric. There's no grading rubric. Thank you. I would like to sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and that makes sense. And I think this is really, it, it becomes more and more clear every single year as, as old lady, you know, shaking her cane at social media, but Mm -hmm. we know a lot more about what players are thinking and what players are doing than we did before. And that that's not going to go away. So now that we know those things and you can't really ignore those things, you have to make a choice on whether Mm -hmm. you're going to include that or not include that in your decisions about votes, but you can't 
you know, it's like, oh, jury, disregard what they just said. You know, you can't, you, you can't unhear something. So having, you know, everybody agreeing to here are the very specific things we're going to look at, I think would help a lot. But the conversation is out there if you want to get involved in it for sure. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just feel like having Barry Bonds, you know, the guy who has the most home runs. And this is another thing, like these guys are stat leaders, right? So the most home runs in MLB history is not going to yep. be in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Clemens, the most Cy Youngs in MLB history is not going to be in the Hall of Fame. So that there's just some distance there. Like, so yeah. if they don't qualify for the Hall, do they qualify for the record books? So that should those records still stand if if they're so tainted that they they're not being qualified for the Hall of Fame? That's a can of worms. And now, yeah, now I like totally A better. <laughs> I just think while I, while I was pondering that, now I'm liking A better than Z. It's going to be a long show, oh, folks. No. So I'm going to like every time I take a sip, <laughs> I've got to take another sip just to balance things out. Yeah. Well, and then also, you know, the Hall of Fame is an honorific, mm-hmm. right? It is. It, it is an honorific. It's you are elected to it, no matter what happens. Um, so it it's different than the straight up numbers. But yeah. So I think deciding on whether PED use or anything else should affect the stats is is a different category than should they affect Hall of Fame voting. One yeah. is numbers and one is what numbers and what what um what characteristics do we look at? Yeah. Hence the rubric. Hence the rubric. Hence the rubric. All right. Sorry about the can of worms. I can end, end this on unhappy stuff. I saw a really sweet interview with your former boyfriend Nelson Cruz talking about how this is Dominican pride because David Ortiz is the fourth Dominican player to be elected to the Hall of Fame, the first one, Mari Chow. And then he said, so he said, it's, it's, this is a pride for all Dominic- Dominicans, like it was with Mari Chow, like it was with Pedro, and like it was with Vladdy. And of course, that's Pedro Martinez and Vladimir Guerrero, the, the first. And, um, you know, it looks like looking at the Dominican players we have now, they're going to be a shitload more. So it's going to be interesting for us as old people to look back on that time where, oh, I remember when there were only four Dominican players because there's going to be a lot more coming. David Ortiz was one of only four players in MLB history with at least 500 home runs and 600 doubles career. He had a 20 walk-off hit, hit hits in one regular season, and that's the third most in MLB history. And his 485 home runs as a DH are the most by any player who is mainly a DH. He's been you know, labeled for that position. So, of course, that's the other, you know, controversy about Ortiz getting in is getting in as a DH. But then you look at, well, Mariano Rivera got in with 100% of the vote and he played, you know, one inning once in a while <laughs> as a closer. So, I don't know, you know, there, there, we need the, an expanded, an expanded um, rubric. Uh, speaking of, of Yankee legends, that A-Rod's down there with 35%. I mean, his stats are also, I didn't write them down, but, you know, impressive, but he's very tainted. And I just kind of wonder that the Yankee fan take on that. If they're like, well, he blew it or he's being, he's being uh, outlawed. If only, if only there were some way to find that out. <laughs> Oh, there if was a new Yankee fan. Anyway, yeah. Yay. Yep. Hall of Fame. Yep. <laughs> yay. Okay. Hey, so lockout still happening. So on the bright side, there is a tiny, tiny, tiny bright side um, to the CBA talks. Last week, depending on what you read, they met for two days. The they is the, the players union and the league met for two days of talks. It was actually more like they met for a total of three hours. Oh my but they God. met. They met two days in a row. They had two meetings in person and they talked and they argued, but things happened a tiny, tiny bit. It wasn't just, 
I don't want anything that you're saying you're offering and we don't want anything that you're offering. It wasn't that it was a little bit of movement on this side and a little bit of movement on that side. So things are going gently towards a place. Um, the players withdrew a proposal to get more players to free agency in fewer than six years. One of like the overarching goals of the players union is get younger players paid more sooner because they're the ones who have the numbers. They're playing the most. They're probably bringing the most value in the past. You know, you got your money at free agency when you were already at the top of the hill, probably going down the other side. And they want to pay, pay these guys while they are contributing the most. So that one of their things was get them to free agency sooner. They've pulled back on that. The league had made a proposal to eliminate arbitration for some players. They had said, well, maybe we can like raise this amount of money a little bit that we get them as a minimum, but then they don't, fewer people get to go through arbitration, which is the time you get to really speak for yourself and negotiate for a higher salary. So they, and that was like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. We want more people getting to arbitration. We want more people to have the opportunity to get more money. So the league withdrew that. So both sides withdrew something that the other side didn't like. Both sides were talking about as, as another way to get younger players paid more sooner, a bonus pool. So on top of your, like, if you're not eligible for arbitration yet, you get the minimum salary, right? But you've got Juan Soto getting a minimum salary. And, you know, the guy who just got called up to fill a spot for whatever, getting the minimum salary. So they've proposed that the the union had proposed like a $100 million bonus pool and the league proposed a $10 million bonus pool. So it's, you know, one-tenth of the proposal, but it is moving. Like maybe there's a way we can come to agreement on this. And that would mean like if in your rookie year, you were in fact rookie of the year or your war was incredibly high or mm -hmm. something about you made you a standout, you would have more money coming to you because you had, you, you shined, you, you performed above everybody else. And so you should be rewarded. It right. seems like an achievement just to get that opened, like just to get the league exactly. considering the concept. So hopefully there's movement from there. Yeah. So that, that means to me that there will be some bonus pool. The dollar value is right. clearly up in the air, but that, that's, I think it's going to happen, I think. So that's pretty cool. The um, league proposed um, raising the minimum pay a wee bit, a wee bit. And actually, and that's just for the people with the least amount of service time, like so your first year, your second year, that very minimum pay go up a tiny little bit. But in return, they want to take away teams ability to pay more because right now teams have to pay at least that amount, but they can give you a raise. They can give you $50,000 more a year if they want to. They can give you $100,000 more above the minimum pay if they want to. And the league is saying, well, if we raise the minimum pay for everybody, we're going to eliminate that. So if you get the minimum pay, you get the minimum pay. That sounds like so much bullshit. I mean, if a team wants to do that, why prohibit a team from doing it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, the union is trying to reduce the amount of money that's um, involved in revenue sharing because they believe that the more money that goes to the teams who are in the smallest market or the worst records, um, that re that reduces their incentive to invest in their team, to pay money for good players and to compete. So this is part of the whole anti-tanking thing. So mm -hmm. um, they are still saying we want to reduce the amount of money in play for that, but they lowered the amount, like, like they lessened the reduction to make it, you know, a little bit more palatable for owners. So the union is again, you know, compromising a tiny little bit. In the meantime, you've got the deputy commissioner of baseball, um, Dan Halem, uh, 
who says, oh, yeah, the league is totally willing to lose games over some of these outstanding issues. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding, man. He's right out there saying that stuff. So, yeah. So there's a couple things the league does not want to budge on. And those are, of course, the things that are most important to the players union. So we have not moved forward in grand form. We have baby stepped to a place where at least we're talking and we're we are we're softening a little bit in a way that maybe we can get something done. So, yeah, uh, I hope they pull it off because a lot of people are are just going to be really stressed out. I mean, February is in a couple days. When you guys listen to this, it will be February. And all of a sudden that just ratchets. Two weeks from pitchers the- and catchers, right? Yeah. You know, and theoretically. Well, let me tell you who is going to start on time. Minor leagues are starting on time. So, oh. boy, attendance is going to be way the heck up at uh, for minor league baseball if the uh, – Oh, bonus. That's true. If the major league season is down. So let's look at those Bay Sox now, shall we? Mm -hmm. Um, But there are a couple items of concern that have happened this week. So we announced happily a little ways back that that the league has said, hey, minor league teams are now responsible for paying for housing for their players, which is huge. Absolutely huge. We also told you that the, um, the, the nonprofit Advocates for Minor Leaguers has, had created a steering committee of players to, speak on behalf of the players, right? There's no union, right? But this is this is their voice. This is like the, the player's voice is, is coming from the steering committee. And they said, you know what? Here are things we're worried about with this whole housing policy. Yay for housing policy. But how does this affect players that have spouses and children? You've got, you've, you've said that you can put two players per room. What's that going to look like? And you said, if there are not, there's not like adequate housing available, you can use hotels for this, which may or may not be problematic depending on the situation at the hotel. Like there's not, there's not a cut and dry structure. It's very, mm. very fuzzy, right? So the steering committee for advocates for minor leaguers is like, okay, we're just flagging this stuff right now because this could go bad. And if there are teams that aren't providing adequate housing and are just like, oh, we're gonna just throw them in like whatever you know cut rate hotel motel is here. Advocates for Minor Leaguers says, yeah, we're going to expose that. We're going to make sure everybody knows that you're doing that. The league came back and said, well, clubs are welcome to exceed minimum standards. <laughs> Clearly. You can do above rock bottom if you want to. You can. You don't have to. Right. But should you care to, you are absolutely welcome to not use the crappy motel down the street. Yeah, for sure. Also, interest, this, this surprised me. Um, last season, well, actually last fall, we talked about the fact that um, the minor league players had a vaccine mandate that was going to be into in effect for the season. And we noted that the reason they were able to make this mandate is because they're not represented by a union. Cause it's the players yeah. union that said, Oh yeah, which I feel so, you know, I'm so pro union and I'm also pretty darn pro vaccine mandate. So this, this is one of those issues that makes me itch. Yep. But anyway, the league said, you know what? We're not going to, and we're not going to have a vaccine mandate for minor leaguers. It's just happened this past week, partially because of all the legal issues. Like um, it's, you know, the, the OSHA pulled back on their, on that require on that rule for now. So there's not like an overarching federal rule to go to that says, if you have, you know, however many employees you have to do this. And so now like states and counties and everybody are making their own rules about what you're allowed to do. And that's just pretty dang hard to enforce for a baseball team. So they said, okay, that's too, that's too much. We're not going to have a mandate. We are for coaches and staff that have close contact. And they said they have to be up to date with their vaccines. And that's, I like that much better than fully vaccinated. Yes. Yeah. Up to date means if you're eligible for a booster, you've gotten your booster. 
it means, you know, if you like you have done as much as you can do at this point, like if you just got your first shot, you're up to date as long as you're going to get that second shot on schedule and you're going to get that booster when, you know, when you become eligible for it. So coaches and staff are are working under that mandate. And the league says we're still going to strongly encourage vaccination of players, which, you know, yay. How's that yeah. working out for you so far? Now I will say the minor leagues last year were like 80%. Like they were high, much higher at a vaccinated level than the majors were for a while. Um, yeah. And, but also they, they, they're going to have safety protocols because they must, and those apply differently to unvaccinated players. It's going to be more masking, more testing requirements, more distancing requirements. Um, you can't be in this room if these guys who are vaxxed are in there without masks, whatever. So there are, I mean, they're not saying we don't care about anything. They're just saying we're going to do the best we can without forcing you to get vaccinated. It's, it's got, got to come down to peer pressure. You know what I mean? It has to be like overwhelming among players that their culture supports vaccination. And you're a super pain in the ass if you're not getting vaccinated. And if you end up having to quarantine or do any of those things that you are hurting this team. Right, right. And that's the last thing they want to do. Right. All right. I'm going to just hope for the best. And I'm going to hope that all of our baseball boyfriends are vaccinated because I haven't done check by check, but oh my God, another filter. These are these are the guys that Patty and I have been talking about in the offseason. We're each picking one guy per team because there is something about them that's cool that makes us want to hang out and have a beer with them. And we try very, very hard to make sure they're not assholes. So that means that they haven't been involved in domestic violence or something really, really fucking stupid. And at this point, I would really like to have an all vaccinated boyfriend roster, but I don't quite know. I mean, it's private information, so it's not easy to find unless somebody's been public about it. But it's definitely something that I'll try to consider as much as I can. This week, we are at the Mariners. We've been working our way up from those the teams with the worst record, and we are heading toward the teams with the best record. We're about in the middle now. Mariners were tough. So here, dear listeners, I'm going to be like brutally honest with you. Uh, my, my methods for picking boyfriends have changed over the years. I, th I would say that pretty much our first year, I looked at guys' records and saw if they had ever played on the Red Sox. And if they had played on the Red Sox, that was like an automatic pick. Then I started looking. I started like getting better influenced by Patty, looking at like good things that they were doing and and fun stories, you know, something fun to talk about. And this week for me was just a fucking bust because the other thing is we can't repeat. So guys we have picked in past years – we can't pick again because we can't, you know, retell a story except for one. And Patty already got well, – actually, we've both done our, our holdovers. We've both done our uh, holdovers, yep. yeah. Um, Patty picked uh, Jake Cronenworth, kept him, and I kept Juan Soto. So looking at the Mariners – it, and the other thing, folks, this week is I've, I'm just having like a shitty time at work. This is my most busy time. I'm in this fucking testing. And so I'm looking through Mariners, and I was like, okay, at this point, I'm going to try to just pick somebody who I know who's not an asshole and that there's something that I can click to talk with them about a beer. And oh, before Damning I- Damning with faint praise. <laughs> exactly. Man. Pretty much. You're pretty probably much. not a jerk. I, I'm hoping that this you. is a really nice guy. But before I get there, just one note on the Mariners. 
I, I didn't realize until I was looking to the Hall of Fame stuff that both David Ortiz and A-Rod started with the Mariners. I remembered that with A-Rod. I did not know that with Ortiz. He had very mediocre time, very, with the, with the Mariners. And then, like, five mediocre years with the Twins. And then, boom, you know, that one-year deal with the Red Sox, and he turned it around. So, as we're also looking at these baseball boyfriends, and this is, like, a good preamble for my first guy, if their stats are not that impressive at the get-go, you don't know it could be the next david ortiz so i'm going with kevin padlow very enthusiastically third base 25 years old he's from murrieta california and okay so i went back to like my original some red sox connection he debuted against the red sox right so when he debuted april 6 2021 not too long ago it was against the red sox he was actually playing for the rays at that time And he got there um, to the Rays from the Rockies, who had signed him in 2014. And then Seattle claimed him off waivers from the Rays just in August this past year. There's not a lot of MLB data on this dude. He's only had 13 at-bats and has not broken 100 with batting. He's at .077, but just 13 at-bats. His minor league stats looked really Average overall, 241 with 798 on base percentage plus slugging. But his rookie year, that first one in 14, was was pretty uh, notable, 300 with 1.015 OPS. So I'm doing a little bit of a wing and a prayer. I'm hoping that that you know spark from the beginning is going to come back. As far as like personal stuff, and we always look for have they done or said anything stupid in the past totally hard to find. This guy is not on Twitter or Instagram. He appears that he had a Twitter that's closed. Couldn't find him on Instagram. So what am I going to do? The next like easy sort of way of finding information is a Wikipedia search. Got nothing out of that. And then there's the MLB page with their stats. And it's got that little thing that you can click and say bio info. And usually you click and it's like, okay, from blah, 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 went to this high school. And that's about it. But Instead, I am just going to read what MLB said, and this is why I am picking Kevin Padlow. Now, when I finish reading this paragraph, dear listeners, I want somebody to write in and and note what you think the one thing in here that doesn't quite jibe with me. So pretty much everything I'm about to read is a great explanation for why Kevin Padlow should be my boyfriend. I'm totally grateful to MLB for writing it up for me, except for one, and I know Patty's going to know it. So Patty will tell me off air, but dear listeners, somebody let me know if you can figure out which of the things in this paragraph is not a baseball boyfriend characteristic for me. Now, first of all, enjoys the outdoors and morning hikes. His favorite is the Tanaja Falls Trail south of Los Angeles that includes views of a cascading spring. I'm sure it's that because you hate those cascading springs. (laughs) Exactly. All right. In 2019, he fielded a ground ball at third base to start the first triple play in double A Montgomery's 15 year history. Stepped off the bag of third, went around the horn to Kristen Gray and Dalton Kelly. So triple play. Nice thing. Kevin is passionate about nutrition and its benefits to athletes. He enjoys experimenting with simple and healthy food and has been on a strict healthy diet for three years. He is an avid country music fan and tried to learn to play guitar a few years ago while injured, but retired from his musical career after two (laughs) unsuccessful weeks. I love the use of the word career in there. (laughs) That's awesome. While traveling to see his family on Thanksgiving as a kid, 
Kevin's parents had to stop at a grocery store for last minute items. He entertained himself by running up and down the aisles until he slipped and had to be rushed to the hospital for stitches on his head. I know you're pro stitches. <laughs> Kevin remembers. The thing is, like, I would do something like that. So I think that, like, qualifies as a connection. Kevin remembers hitting a walk-off homer on his birthday for his Little League team while the team was making a run at the Little League World Series. The kids celebrated by popping sparkling cider outside the field. Done. And I am incredibly grateful to whoever on MLB staff or, I don't know, maybe Kevin's, like, friend or cousin or something – made that little bio so perfect for baseball boyfriend qualifications, except for one. Okay. I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All right. So my guys have the connection, have lots of connections to previous NCIB boyfriends for sure, for sure. And I personally have a lot of connections with Ty France, um, 27 years old. He is Utility player, he's played all the infield positions and also DH. And wow, we have these weird things in common. So here we go. Okay. So uh, from Downey, California, went to Covina High School. He was always the youngest person on all of his baseball teams growing up. And so he always had like, you know, kind of had to like try extra harder to not get walloped. He said, I didn't like being bad at things. So when I got good at hitting, that was my thing, right? You know, I, I, that's how I like kept up with, with the bigger kids. He played college ball at San Diego state and he was coached by Tony Gwynn, who I love wow. for, you know, I am an Ohio girl, but I was briefly a San Diego girl, lived there for a couple of years and do deeply, deeply love Tony Gwynn. And he said the first day in the locker room, I was so excited because Tony Gwynn was going to tell me how to make it, how to like, what is the secret? Like I'm a you know, hitting is my thing. He's the king of all this. What is, what is the knowledge? What is the secret? And Tony Gwynn says, get in position and take your best swing. And all I was right. like, wait, I could say that. wait, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the secrets? He said, you know, going like thinking back on that, he's absolutely right. The simpler it is, the better it is. And they had a really good relationship and that helped him a lot. But initially it was like, where's the magic dust? <laughs> you know? So Second connection is 2013. He played his um, his summer collegiate league right here at Bethesda Big Train, which is part of the Cal Ripken Summer League, which is but my team, the Thunderbolts, are a part of. So it wasn't my team, but it is my league. So that's pretty cool. He was a year behind Hunter Renfro. He was also a year behind Hunter Renfro at the Padres. So um, there's kind oh, of a, wow. a little like he's following Hunter around a little bit. He was um, Ty France was drafted kind of low, a lower round by the Padres in 2015. and by 2019, he was getting Rookie of the Year and MVP for the, the Pacific Coast League when he played for the El Paso Chihuahuas, which is what, still one of my favorite teams. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, drafted really low and like under promise, over deliver, over deliver. Mm -hmm. So in, in 2019, he was player of the week early on in the season, right? April 15th to 21st. And immediately after that, he got a call up to the Padres while Tatis Jr. was out. Right. So he was injured. He was out for a little while. So there's a there's a there's a boyfriend connection right there. But he said, like, after the after the game with the Chihuahuas that night, his phone, this incoming call from this number from Puerto Rico that he didn't know. So, of course, he didn't answer it and then immediately got a text. And it's like it turns out it was his manager. Why he didn't have his manager's phone number saved. I don't know. But it was like, would you answer your damn phone? You're getting called up. Wow. <laughs> So there's that. His first um, his first major league hit, hit was a pinch hit single versus the Nationals. So, you know, right. that seems to be a Connection. theme with me. 
as well with people doing, you know, notable things against my <laughs> team. That's okay. So he was only up for, you know, a, a short time because it was just while Tatis was out. So we sent, we sent back down June 5th and immediately was Pacific Coast League player of the week for June 10th to 16th, right? So the last week he was there before his call up and his first week back, he was player of the week for the league. And in that one week, he hit 476 with six home runs, which was a home run in five straight games, including two Holy home runs shit. on the game on June 14th, right? So his hitting was amazing. He was hitting 399. He was so close, so close, so close to 400. And all he wanted was to hit that magic 400 because nobody ever hits 400. But he got his call up again later in 2019. And that, you know, your minor league numbers don't count. And oh, so he never man. got to, he never got to hit that to see if he could get to that 400. But what are you going to do? You're, you know, you're playing in the major leagues, man. So, yeah. so in 2020, he was on the opening day roster. And this is, this is one of those like trivia things. He was, you know, on a national league roster as the DH, which you don't do because it was 2020 and you know, the COVID year, both leagues had the DH. So that was him for the Padres. In August of COVID year 2020, he was part of that seven player trade with the Mariners, which was designed to bring Austin Nola to San Diego. And, uh, it turns out that the Mariners had their eye on Ty France for many years and were trying to figure mm. out how to get him. They're, you know, they're big, um, they're big stats guys up there, right? And and they're they were watching him for a long time. When you got guys like almost hitting 400, who's got weeks like this, you know, you pay attention. But he's been like that for for years. And this was their opportunity. They did not want to let Austin Nola go. So they said we could ask for a boatload of things. And they did. And one of those things that they asked for was Ty France. So um, in 2021, he had a good news and bad news. The bad news was he tied for the lead league in hit by pitch. Oh man, <laughs> not a fun. In stat. August, he hit game tying home runs in the ninth inning for back to back games. Holy shit, that's so, so you know, cool. That name Ty is really kind of working out in there. Oh wait, no, it's Tying not pun week. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but the Seattle baseball writers named him Mariners Player of the Year for 2021. He led the team in OPS and an average, and had really good defense. And he, you know, he played all over the field. Like he, he played for um, my former boyfriend Evan White when he was out a little, you know, or not doing well. And so he, he played first. He played third. He did a lot of things. And one of the things that I've always gone by for picking my boyfriends is guys who really like to play the game. You can tell mm -hmm. they really have joy in playing the game. And what he said was baseball is fun. The more positions I can play, the more fun it is. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm, I'm watching for, uh, for Ty France and hoping that bat stays, stays hot for this yeah, year. Yeah. Nice pick. All right. Before I go on, I have a very important question. A or Z. I need to call in for tech support for another beer and I can pick A or Z. I'm leaning towards A a little bit, which is weird. My first, my first thing was Z, hmm. but A seems to be sticking with me. All right, I'm gonna get. They, they're not that different. They're they're like a little different. They're both, but good. it's 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 subtle. Yeah, and they're both good. All right, all right. I just put an A, please, in. And so, if you hear the door open, that's just my beer type A arriving down here in the studio. But meanwhile. I, we're going to go to the Phillies for our National League team this year. And, okay, I see pa Patty's sipping and thinking. So right, A, a wow, is what I, do, I put I in. do like them. Right? Yeah, no, I go, go for A and tell me what you think. I mean, okay. I really do like them both. They're good. Yay, Silver Branch. This is a great brewery. You, you got you to gotta 
Check it out. If you're in Silver Spring, Maryland, go to Silver Branch. But right now, we're going to go down to or Philadelphia. Or call us and we'll meet you there. <laughs> yeah, even better. You can get flights. You can try lots of things. They have heated tables. All right. Oh, and here comes my A. Oh, you know what? I don't have a koozie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, you're awful. Because I brought down, I started off with an imperial because I was trying to be like a peacemaker. So I was drinking a Costa Rican beer in honor of the Serie de Caribe, but that means I had a bottle koozie and now I have a can of A. No, yeah, I have a can of A. All right. I'm going to talk about Nick Maton. I, I'm pretty sure it's Maton. I saw a video and like while I was watching the video, I was trying to remember the pronunciation and I think that was it. Second baseman, but like you said, as somebody who likes to play and likes to play all positions, that's this guy. He, I'm hoping that I'm going to have a lot of versatility on my ba baseball boyfriend team because he's, he's he utility. This is really the only case where you want your boyfriend to be a guy who, you know, you want to like encourage him to, pay, to play the field? Yes. Yeah, that's really <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. We want our boyfriends to play the field. This 24 years old. So he was in, originally picked in the 40th round in 2015, but decided to go to try school instead because that's that's pretty low pick. Uh, went to Eastern Illinois State University. And I'm not quite sure why, except for maybe to be near home, he transferred to Lincoln Land Community College, which was near home. So Lincoln Land. And that's where he excelled on the Lincoln Land baseball team. I'd like to see those t-shirts. I don't know if it's like, I'm thinking this a beard sort of thing or I'm maybe thinking log cabins. Yeah. I think it is the log cutters or something like that. I think you're right. So his sophomore year, he was, he hit that 400 for, for Lincoln Land Community College. He was batting 408 with 1.229 OPS. And so then in 2017, he was selected by the Phillies in the seventh round. His, he was from one of those athletic homes. His parents were both college athletes. His dad did track. His mom did vo volleyball. So he sort of grew up in a very sportsy home. And he has very sportsy brothers. They're sportsy. Sportsy. <laughs> so much. You can tell that I did not grow up in a sportsy home as far as like <laughs> – playing playing sports but his older brother phil is currently pitching with the astros and his younger brother jacob was drafted in 2019 by seattle but he decided to play with college ball so that's what he's doing right now but both older and younger brother and i meant to go back in our notes because i think we've talked about this a couple times you did once and i did once the sweetness of brothers retweeting their brother's baseball success so we've talked about that before. And when I went and checked out um, Nick's Twitter, like the first four tweets were him tweeting about his brother doing well. So in comparison. So mm -hmm. Phil was with Cleveland for a while. So he was my he was mm -hmm. one of my guys when I had the Cleveland pitching team until he got, you know, until he went to the Astros. Yeah. I, I meant to, to note that because there were a lot of articles that I looked at that said he was still with Cleveland. And I was like, no, I don't no. think so. Yeah. So uh, by the way, what I just said was pretty much what the MLB bio was for Nick. So compared to my other guy, Kevin Padlow, like there's definitely not a writing rubric for sure in the MLB bios. So um, that, oh, the only other thing that was in uh, Nick's bio that that's pretty attractive is that he has a dog. His hobby is playing with his dog, Charlie, and his Twitter has Charlie as his background picture. And it's definitely an elderly looking sort of beagle. It's he's adorable <laughs> and lots of pictures of him and Charlie and his Instagram. So interestingly, before he was called up, he did not have any time in AAA because of the fucked up 2020. So he spent 2020 at the, the alt site, didn't get any time. And 
Interestingly, also, though, before getting called up even there, he didn't even have much time in double A. He got called up to double A and he had broken his finger and he didn't tell anyone. So this is this is not a baseball boyfriend characteristic. I really feel like guys need to be much more careful with their injuries. And I am not the like just grit and, and play through it kind of person. So I would definitely have a few words with Nick around this. But he played only 21 games in double A and managed 210 with his broken finger. And despite that, he's a fearless dude. So, you know, baseball boyfriend characteristics might not be something that we have in common, but it's something that I'd love to talk to him about a beer with over a beer with because he has no fear. He's not intimidated about being in the majors. He said a lot of things about like, you know, if if I've made it up here, I'm good enough. So he can, you know, take it on. Would you try to actively scare him just to see? No, I would. I would ask for advice. I would be like, "Where does that? Where does that fearlessness, that confidence, come from? Please help me with this." So he here again. I I guess I got a little bit of a theme this year. My guy's debuting last year. He debuted in April nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one against the Giants, and he started off with a bang. His first six games, he got hits and multiple hits in the last four of them. In his first 18 games, he was 10 for 18 with three doubles. So that's a slash line of 556, 600, 722 for his first 18 games. And he is willing to do whatever it takes to support the team and to play. And he said that he's going to play wherever Girardi needs him. He said, I have a lot of gloves. So like put me in a position. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got a glove for that. The coolest source that I got on him was this Philadelphia Inquirer article that did a lot of interviewing with Larry Boa, who was a, a big player from the 70s and 80s and the Phillies, Cubs, Mets, managed the Phillies in the beginning of the 2000s, 01 to 04. And he's currently special advisor to the Phillies GM. And he has totally noticed something special about Nick and has a, a special relationship with him and compares him to Chase Utley. And, you know, that's for me, that's definitely kind of a mixed bag because I love the days where Kiki Hernandez had this like Chase is my uncle thing when they were on the Dodgers together. But of course, Chase is also infamous for hard sliding and injuring people. So let's let's keep that part of the Chase Utley out and let's focus on the hard work part of the Chase Utley, which is what Larry Bow is getting at. He said he put, puts his nose to the dirt. He's always like, let's go. He said, I'm not putting that pressure on him, you know, the comparison to Utley, but at, attitude wise and confident, he reminds me a lot of him personality wise. He gets after it, man. He's not afraid to work. And at one point when they were working together, he bet Larry that he was going to get a hit in a, in a grapefruits uh, league game, and he didn't. And so he took 100 grounders the next day, and he did it. <laughs> The other did. thing that gets him extra baseball boyfriend points is the flow. Now he doesn't have like the typical flow that I'm that I'm uh, a fan of. A fan of that's a good way. Yeah, I was trying to think <laughs> of a good way to say that. A fan of is a good one. Like with the with the stuff that pick pokes out from the back of the helmet, you wouldn't know about the flow mostly with the helmet on. And when he takes it off, he's got it kind of like the flow on top. And one tweet I saw described it. He said, "Dude could be a Jonas brother or something." So look, you got to look under the helmet, but he's got some good flow there. And I saw a super sweet YouTube interview that's definitely going to be linked where it's this young kid interviewing minor leaguers. So it was when he was in the minors and the kid asked him, there's one thing about the minors. What could you change? And first, his answer was really actually 
not something that I would like. He said seven inning games. I was like, what? What are you fucking kidding me? What? But then the kid, the kid's like, well, what about minor league pay? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. And he said, 100%, that's what I do. We get screwed down here. So that kind of awareness. He has a lovely looking girlfriend, Bailey Smith, who is studying to be a nurse. And that's all I got on Nick. But I'm looking forward to seeing him play the field this year. Yeah. So I just want to say that the phrase under the helmet caught my ear just then. And I thought if we ever have like a, a tangent, uh, you know, like a, a an offshoot <laughs> podcast that's just interviews with players, we should call oh. it under the helmet because we are very concerned with QHAR. Totally. Or we could have like our under the helmet series of, of yeah. interviews. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. I so like it. Put a pin in that one. Put yeah. a pin in that one. Okay. So my guy for the Phillies, I may be picking too soon, which I do sometimes. And he's pretty young, so there's not a lot about him. But wow, the connections are pretty outstanding. And may I just say, um, his name is 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 Yalen David Ortiz. <laughs> so I'm wow. thinking today's a good day to talk about him. Very good. Uh, nice right? choice. He, he is Dominican. He is a right fielder. He is 23. Um, he was signed... At an international, you know, international signing in 2015. And we talked about those international signings just in the past couple of weeks, right? That used to be, uh, used to happen in July. Now, January is when they kick off the season when, and it's all, all these like 16 and 17 year olds, right? And we talked about the problems, problems with that too. So we got signed mm -hmm. when he was 16, but his class, the 2015 class included Vlad Jr., Tatis Jr., Wow, Juan Soto, also, to complete the set, other boyfriends, Jazz Chisholm, Christian Pasha, Jordan Alvarez, and Andres Jimenez. That is quite so a class. I had to pick him because I yeah. did need, in fact, to complete the set of guys <laughs> that we have picked from the 2015 international signing. So wow. I want you to know that of that class, Ortiz was said to have the most power. Vlad Jr., Tatis Jr., and Juan Soto That's were in amazing. that class. And at that time, he was said to have the most power. So his signing that year was the highest of all of them, $4.2 million as a 16-year-old. It was a record Unreal. for the Phillies. It was the highest that went to a Dominican. It was um, He had been at the baseball academy in the Dominican Republic since age 12. And the Phillies had been scouting him since he was 14, which I'm like, Kind of creeped out by and yeah. kind of like, okay, this kid has a future because of this opportunity. This wow. kid has wealth and a future because of this opportunity. Yeah. But ew. But yeah. yay. But because of following him since he was 14, the scouts and others spent time with him and his family. I mean, when they when they work with these guys, it's kind of a holistic thing. I mean, it's not just I go to your high school game and I see you and I think, oh yeah, we should offer you something. It's I'm gonna I wanna build a relationship with your family and all mm -hmm. of that. And and the scout that signed him said that I was, you know, really impressed with his character and his desire to play major league ball. He really wanted it. So he's on the 40 man roster for the Phillies, but he's not debuted yet. So I think they put him there to protect him from rule five, um, which they had not done the previous two seasons. Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah. So I think you know, those other guys, a lot of those other guys have, you know, they've mm -hmm. already debuted. A lot of them are superstars already. Um, and he's yep. not yet. So this could be, the, this could be his time. This could be his time. So again, back to his, his power. 
yeah, he hits a lot of home runs, but the the thing that everyone notes about them is they're all spectacular. They're upper deck home runs. He's got wow. like, they're all they're not just, oh, I just made it over the over the fence. It's no, there's it's, these are no doubters. They are, they are no doubters. This past July, a full half of his hits for the entire month were home runs. Oh my god, half, right? Half. So this he's like all power. That's crazy. Um, and he, he did say a few years ago in an interview that what he really wants to do is hit in the home run derby. I want to see that. I totally right. want to see that. Yeah. Right. So I hope it gets his call up because if he does, maybe we will see him hit. Oh, that'd be Derby. Fun. So he's 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 a big guy. He's he's six three, and okay, this is one of those floating things. Remember how we said like the shorter guys that the the height is floating, like are they five eight or they five yeah. ten or whatever? So he's six three or six four or he was six <laughs> two when he was initially signed, but he was only sixteen, so he wasn't done growing yet. So he's either six three or six four, but the important thing is he lost like twenty five pounds going into like this past season because he was only shaped like a power hitter and he needed speed. Hmm. And, and, and people had said before, you know, when he gets, when he gets into a real program, like that the minors will provide minors provide, they have better conditioning. And sure enough, he dropped 25 pounds and now he's a lot faster than he looks like he should be. Wow. And he, you know, he's, he successfully stole four out of five bases last season. And a guy that big, doesn't you isn't usually a threat to steal, right? So he fools a lot of people, and he says, "I take pride in it because I'm a big guy. Pitchers do not think I can steal bases, and I like to run and show my speed." So, found out that he played with uh with the Leones this year, right? So that Yay, was pretty exciting. Republic. But, but only a couple of games, and I yeah. wonder if I wonder if that was when he got assigned to the forty man roster. If that maybe took him out, hmm. I don't know. I don't think so because we've got other guys that were playing. Yeah, but I was, saw that, was a, and I was super curious about why he didn't play that much. He didn't have that many. Yeah, events. he was playing like late October, and then in November yeah. is when he got assigned to the forty man. So I don't mm. know what how that happened there. But his um, his favorite player is is Mickey Cabrera because he not only hit for power, but he also hit for average. And so I like that. It's like I'm not here just to show off. I'm here to get done whatever needs to get done for my team. There's not a lot about his background. You know, I'm no Twitter. I looked at his, his, what I learned from his Instagram is he's exceedingly well-groomed. This is, <laughs> this is a man who knows how to dress and to take good care of himself. And he presents himself very well. Let me just say he presents himself very well. So I'm hoping that if there were bad things that would have come up, you know, if you've got a reputation for being, a, being a bad boy, that usually shows up somewhere. If you've got, you know, if there's scandal that shows up, but, and it hasn't. So I'm hoping crossing my fingers that he's as good a dude as I'm hoping. But Mm -hmm. um, his manager from single A said about him that his ceiling is ridiculously high. So I think that's pretty cool. So I'm hoping for the best and I am looking forward to seeing if he gets the call up this year better. He better because I don't want to, you know, I want to see uh, Yalen David Ortiz knock it out of the park in Major League Parks this year. Yeah, and I want to see him in the home run derby. That sounds like super fun. So speaking of the of the Dominican Republic, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb right now. I'm gonna predict that they're gonna win the Serie del Caribe, even though they are not the team that I want to win. So I'm hoping that something goes wrong so that they don't win. But man, <laughs> they're looking good. So we're recording mid Sunday afternoon. So at this point, we've had two full days of play plus one game, the um, Colombia-Mexico game this morning that I'll go back to in a moment. So for you folks who want to watch, if you're listening to us on Tuesday, the semifinals are Wednesday. So there's six six teams playing right now. There'll be four in the semis. 
the first place seed and the fourth place will play against each other in the second and third. And then the finals will be on Thursday. So check it out. There's so much fun. Um, last week, when we when I talked about the teams going in, there was one team that was left undecided, and that was from Venezuela. And sadly, the team that I did not want to get in is the one that got in, the Navegantes de, de Magallanes. Wait. You know, I've been pronouncing it wrong all along, and I tried to, like, put myself in notes here, but now I'm a beer and a half in Magallanes. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to go back to that. Anyway, <laughs> vamos Caguas. I'm going to, I'm still, like, cheering for Puerto Rico, even though they have not won a game yet, I believe, at the time of recording, which I'm really, it's got to, it's got to change fast because, folks, you got five games to play before. We do love an underdog, though. We so much love an underdog. And they're they're fun. And they came so close to beating the Dominican Republic last night. And it just didn't work out in the end. And I was super, super sad. The coverage is fantastic. There's a woman on play-by-play for some of the night games that I need to find out her name because she is great. And then um, El Duque Hernandez is also on color commentary for some of the games. Also oh, super wow. fun. So just looking at the different teams, as I said, I think that the DR is going to take it. Uh, unfortunately, one of the primary factors in that is Marcelo Zuna, who continues to rake. And the whole thing that we talked about last week, or I talked about last week with Junior Lake saying that it was like a circus came to town with them, that that theme is getting picked up by the now uh, rivals of him. And a Mexican journalist called him a clown. And <laughs> I, and it reminded me that I forgot the best part of that story last week, which was that a fan had thrown a bottle at him on the field. Oh, yikes. Yeah, because they were playing in the Estrellas Orientales. So here again, that's not like, okay. That's not okay. Right, that's not okay. As much as he's an asshole, he's, it, do not throw bottles on the field. Like, that's just a really, really bad idea. So nothing like that has happened in the Serie, thank goodness, even though they're playing in, in the same stadium. They're playing in the Dominican Republic. Um but also Jose City, man, you know, he's my former boyfriend from the Astros. And and when he connects, he's great. He's been hitting a ton, but he swings at fucking everything. And that's going to end up being a problem for him. He's really got to learn to have a little bit of plate discipline there. So, hey, City, check out your swing. Uh, Robinson Cano has been the man of the hour. He came in as a refuerzo, added on to the team, added on to the Gigantes de Cibao when they made it because he came from the Estrellas Orientales. And his QHAR has mightily improved. He's got some very stylish braids going on, and they peek out from the back of the helmet. So quality hair that. above replacement. Much appreciated for Robinson Cano. The other guy I super uh, appreciate the QHAR for, another former bra- boyfriend of mine, is Ronald Guzman. And he has great QHAR. And I just can't get over his legs, man. He has such long legs. And for a first baseman, like that stretch, you just got to watch it. So I, I think that the Dominican Republic's going to win. I don't want them to because of the whole Azuna mess. But I don't know. They are a lot of fun to watch, and it is the home team. So that game last night between Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, like their rivalry goes way back. So, of course, it was going to be intense, but it was one packed, like, emotional stadium. But the coolest fucking thing about this is after the game, no matter, like, how hard the rivalry is, 
fans you can see dancing together. I've seen these videos. Last night, there were videos of the Puerto Rican fans and the Dominican fans dancing together. Before that, it was Mexican and Venezuelan fans. Like, just the rhythm of it all is so cool. I love, like, the music background and Dominican Republic music, just fantastic. So for Puerto Rico, who is struggling, they haven't won a game yet at this time of recording, our guys are doing really well. So your oh, dude, Bebo Perez, who came in as a refuerzo, he was also added to the team from the, the Mayagüez team. Um, he's doing super well. And as I Yay. saw Vimael Machin, my new boyfriend, also get a hit last night. They're both like... I don't, I want to say like around 500, like where I have very, very limited at bats at this point, but they're both doing really well. Um, in Colombia, now this Colombia is the story of the series at this point. Up until this year, this is the third year that Colombia has participated in the Serie de Caribe. They had not won a game. So in their first two seasons, whatever, uh, tournaments, they were 0 for 10. They won their first two games. The first one, notably against Venezuela, which is a power team. The second one against Panama, which, you know, is sort of like a, a flip the coin over who's going to get that. And then today it was just a nail biter with Mexico. I didn't see the run scored. Mexico scored a run. It was not via a hit. So I don't know how the run was scored, but I was watching the eighth and the ninth innings and and so Puerto Rico had a chance in the ninth inning. And who's pitching for Mexico but Roberto Osuna, like our least oh, no. favorite guy. The first batter, he let up a hit, and it was like a bloop that went into the outfield that, I mean, maybe an error, but it just went where they weren't. And I was feeling super optimistic, like this is exactly the poetry I need right now. I need them to come back and slam Ozuna. And then they didn't pop out oh. strike strikeouts. So that kind of sucked. But Colombia is definitely the team to win. And I've definitely got my eye on Sande Leon. They have also a super interesting dude in the leaders, Renaldo Rodriguez, who went eight for nine for his first nine at-bats. Eight for nine. So crazy. There, there's folks to watch for Colombia. Maybe we'll get more Colombian players in MLB. So for the Mexico team, like I said, the, the biggest name that you're going to recognize is Osuna and just fuck him. He's another one who's been on uh, domestic abuse charges and has been run out of MLB basically, but not uh, the Mexican league. Although I've got to say my favorite name for all of um, the Serie de Caribe is the shortstop, the Campo Corto. From Mexico, his name is Amadeo Sasueta. Is that the coolest Sasueta. name? Sasueta. Sasueta. Two Zs oh, in say. one name. And interestingly- We are pro-Z. I'm so pro-Z. <laughs> so pro-Z. Because the, the main Mexican league plays at the same time as MLB, so that's LMB and, and MLB, the, the players from the main Mexican league are actually playing on all of the teams involved in Serie de Caribe, not just Mexico, because they're from like all these countries. So when they go back home for the winter, those are the teams that they're playing on. Venezuela, super fun to watch, powered by Panda, a panda and a turtle, <laughs> you know, Pablo Sandoval <laughs> and William Zastodillo. And the two of them are so much fun to watch. And in all the interviews with Sandoval, they call him Kung Fu Panda. I don't remember that <laughs> being like part of the deal. He is definitely a designated hitter. He is like limping around. And in Spanish, Aww. that's a BD, bateador designado. But I saw him hit a home run. 
which was su- yeah, super cool. And I saw so the interview I saw with him was also super sweet because he is the only Venezuelan born born player to have gotten MV- MVP in both the United States World Series when he was with the Giants and the Venezuelan series in when in, I think he was with with Navegantes um, in 13-14. But this is the first time he's in the Serie of the Caribe. And he said it's because his MLB team never let him go. And that's why we don't see a lot of MLB players yeah. because, look, yeah. we're in the beginning of February. Most of the most of the teams are saying, I think you got to get ready for spring training. We don't want anything bad to happen right now. So players have not gotten permission to, but Sandoval isn't tied down right now. Neither is Estudio. So they're both in there. So he said, you got to keep having fun. That is the most important thing. And here we come to our word of the week. I am choosing embasarse which I just think is very cool because it's one word, embasarse, and it means to get on base. So that's like oh. four words into one. It's a very okay. efficient Spanish word. Say embaso. I like it. He got on base. So embasarse, get on base. Um, All right. Yeah. The, the music, as I said before, but I got to get back to it. The music is so cool. So just watching these games, like the between innings music, the before music, the after music, so cool. And uh, one of the the people interviewed said everybody's uh, dancing merengue, and and drinking. So like drinking and dancing merengue. Uh, if you want to go to Cooperstown, I think what you want to do is go to this. I really wanted to be at this series. You know, fuck COVID. Otherwise, I want to get to one of these series. The crowd is representative. Like people have flown in for this, COVID or not. The Mexican fans are like all out there. You've got the like Lucha Libre wrestler, Mexican wrestler uh, head covering things and wild hats and just so much um, joy and animation in the stands. And the crowd yells, and you might remember this from a word of the week before, ponche, ponche. I thought they were yelling bullshit for a while, but it wasn't. It was ponche, (laughs) which is like strikeout, strikeout. And their hands are like swinging. And I was like, is that the chop? It looks like the chop. It's not the chop. They're just like you know, throwing out to toward the picture saying like, strike them out, strike them out. So you gotta, you gotta check it out. The weird thing though, is that you're talking about where it's going to be in the future. I think next year is when they're going to try Venezuela again, but then 2024, they're planning for Miami, Miami in the Marlins park. And there are ads on there with Derek Jeter and Kim Ang and a whole bunch of others saying, we'll see you in Miami in 2024. And right after they had that ad, they broke back to the announcers. And the announcers are like, like, huh? Like, there isn't a U.S. team in this area. Like, why are we going to Miami? Why not Columbia? You know, and look at how well Columbia is doing. It's their third year here. Why not welcome them as a participant? Because it's, it's revenue. It's so much stuff to host the series. Why Miami? And even worse than it being there in 2024, they're thinking about 2028 as well. So there's like no rotation. It's just a weird, like, why is it going to Miami? I just don't get it. So, okay. Two things, two things. One is there is a U.S. team. Remember Puerto Rico? Mm. They're not, they're not, they're not hosting. So right, right. So it's, it's, Puerto Rico. it's irrelevant. Right. Right. But, but also I wonder if this is a let's get more eyeballs on this series. Yeah, that would and, be right. And it, sh- it sure would. Mm-hmm. It absolutely would. And it's easy to travel to Miami. 
So they would fill it up. They would get a lot of mainland USA eyes on this series that then may translate to future games in other countries. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, you know, this is this is me being Pollyanna here and looking right. for, you know, always look on the bright side of life. But um, that's yeah. where I'm going with that. I think that's interesting. I do. I absolutely understand if we can lift up places that need it economically right. and tourist wise and all of that, we should be doing that. Right. But there may be an upside to this. Right. And once again, I think it's just that I want the grading rubric. I want the rule book. So where's the rotation? Like what's the schedule? And I think things got weird with Venezuela losing it a couple of times, but how can Miami be right now slated for 24 and 28 when there's already six teams playing that none of them belong to Miami? Is there a schedule or is it a competition like the All-Star Game and the Olympics? Yeah, I think it's like that. It does seem yeah. to be like that. Yeah. Anyway, I so go to Venezuela. And I guess I'm going to go to Miami in 24. That would be easier. Yeah. All right. So I'm sold. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm going with you. Yay. 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 Let's go to Miami. Okay. But first, let's go to Cooperstown. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a weird transition to go to Cleveland from here, but we're going to just very briefly, only because we've been talking about um, Tampriol not working <laughs> and the, you know, which, which was the, you know, Tampa needs a new ballpark. So maybe they'll share with Montreal for a while while they figure that out. Um, we've been talking about the Oakland A's and, and their you know quest for a new ballpark and all of that. The Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians, have renewed their lease for Progressive Field until 2036. That is some lease. They have a good spot. And like, you know what? We're just going to pay to renovate this place. We are not going to like dig up another plot of ground somewhere. We like our spot. Mm. It's a good spot. People like it here. We just need to fix it to make it better. So they have renewed their lease for until 2036 with, I think, a, a an option to renew it for another 10 years after that. Um, they think it's going to be $200 million for renovations, which is a boatload of money, but it's a lot less than a brand new ballpark. And they have secured, this is where it gets funny because I don't know how I feel about these things, annual contributions from the city of Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, the state of Ohio, as well as the team to pay annually to pay for renovations, repair, maintenance, and property taxes and all of that. So it's kind of like mm. they're all in it together. And you know, I don't know how I feel about like taxpayer money going for this stuff right. for sure, right. but- but I do like that ballpark. I like where that ballpark is. I'm glad they're finding a way to make it stay relevant, make it stay state of the art and be useful without digging up more ground and then having another decrepit old thing that needs to be torn down or just, oh, hey, remember when the when Cleveland used to play there? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, and, and for someone who's never been in the ballpark, but I've been around God, the, ballpark, been in the ballpark, yeah, but, to get you in that ballpark. But it's so funny because we went there for the all-star game for like the volunteer stuff. So I know that the ballpark's in a good location. Like it was great, mm -hmm. like all the stuff around it. So, you know, if they can spiff it up where it is, that makes sense to me. All right. This year, if it's safe, we're going to Cooperstown and Cleveland. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Woo. Places to stay in both of them. Yay right. us. Yay us. All right. Hey, so, um, okay, so you've got a hellish week coming up, except for watching a lot of baseball because yeah. the tournament's going to be big fun. Yeah, absolutely. Except for I can't watch the semifinals, which kind of bums me out, but I will probably just watch them like when I can, but I definitely am going to catch the finals. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and please remind me because I do want to watch them and I don't think about it until it's too late. And gotcha. you are and you text me and tell me what I'm missing. <laughs> oh, right. Right. I'm supposed to be watching this because I totally do want to be watching this. Um, yeah. Wow. This is all very exciting. And um, if you are um, 
trying to find some baseball things to do because the minor league season hasn't started yet and the major league season is not going to start anytime soon, please feel free to check back episodes of No Crying in Baseball to see what you've missed from before you decided to join us in our in our conversations. If you know people who you think would like to hear us talk about baseball, please let them know about us. If you can leave a review or a rating, we sure do appreciate that. Absolutely find us on social media. Hey, you know, before Potty Mouth tells you where, also let us know via social media if you want to play on our fantasy baseball team, because I will be sending out information about that pretty soon to the existing teams and folks who are interested. Um, I don't know when it's going to start because we don't know when actual uh, Major League Baseball is going to start, but I would love to get that list in order. So Potty Mouth, where can people find us to let us know these things? You can find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. That is most excellent. If you are not up to date on your vaccinations, as they say now in minor league baseball, please get there because we want you to be safe. Fight the man is the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. All right. Always remember to press the record button. Yeah. Words to live by.